gals and pals, game on! It's time for the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where we help gals and their pals come together over sports. Don't hate the game, love the game, or at least find out why he loves it so much. Now your host, the Sports Gal Pal herself, Ramona Rice. Well, hey there, Gal Pal Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where we help you understand what the sports fans in your life scream at the TV during a game. I'm your host, Ramona Rice. You can connect with me on Twitter at Sports Gal Pal and, of course, on SportsGalPal.com. And we are celebrating because we are just at the start of Major League Baseball's postseason. Hooray! Baseball that actually matters and doesn't drag on and on and on in the heat. It's chillier. The games are awesome. It's prime time. You know, just... Lots of Joe Buck. Sorry if you don't like him, but he's kind of cool at baseball. I like him anyway. We're going to talk about it. More Jessica Mendoza. Yay. And with me tonight, um, as my interview, we are talking New York Mets. And Will Musto, the editor-in-chief of ShayDugout.com, is with me tonight. Will, welcome to Sports Gal, pal. Hey, Ramona. Thanks so much. All right. I'm going to get started right away with asking you the same question I ask all my guests starting up. How did you get into sports? Uh, yeah, so like like a lot of people, um, my dad is a huge sports fan um, growing up. He, he, my dad's from Long Island. Uh, I was actually born in South Georgia, grew up in northeast Georgia slash southeast Tennessee uh, in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area. Uh, growing up, obviously played a lot of sports, played a lot of baseball, um, ran cross country and track and field through high school and college. Um, and so dad and I connected a lot through, through sports. Um, and then we went to a lot of baseball games together. Uh, I've been to way more Braves games than I'd like to have been to in my life. Uh, (laughs) growing up, I actually, um, was tried to, dad tried to make me a Braves fan basically because when he was a kid, his family moved away from Long Island and he, he didn't like, uh, the experience of being a, a fan of a team several hundred miles away. So he was like, well, I'll let Will become a Braves fan. And uh, there are plenty of pictures of me wearing Braves shirt and face painted in Braves and Tomahawk and Chipper Jones t-shirts. So I was about seven. And then, I don't know, something changed. I became a Mets fan. I guess I just mimicked dad. I don't really remember. Uh, but I do remember spring of my eight, 1997, I was a Mets fan because spring of 1998, I, uh, my dad was my baseball coach, my t-ball coach, or Little League, rather, and I convinced him to have us be the Mets, which was a very unpopular choice amongst my teammates, and uh, we were the Mets, and then the first Mets-specific games that I remember going to were fall of 1998, September of 1998, the last three games of the season for the Mets were in Atlanta. They had a magic number of one to clinch the wild card, and they got swept, and did not advance to the postseason. So that's how my, my Mets fandom began. My goodness. So you've been with them through. And it, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the thing with the Mets. And I have an intimate relationship with the Mets because my dad is from New York, even though he grew up in the Bronx, believe it or not. Oh, wow. um, but he's a Mets fan. Yeah, I mean, he'll sometimes cheer for the Yankees. But no, it's Nets. I mean, Keith Hernandez all the way. Um, Daryl Strawberry, <laughs> you know, I mean, just, yeah. Um, 
And it's funny. Um, so, but he did not raise Mets fans. Um, but I remember one of my best childhood memories. This is going to show you how old I was. I am. So in 1986, um, you weren't even born, but, um, nope. it was the, the world last world series that the Mets won. And I remember my dad waking me up. I was six years old and he wakes me up because honey, honey, you need to see this. And he woke me up and I was all groggy and tired. And he woke me up to see them win the world series. And it's one of my first like kind of sports memories. So for the Mets for me, um, well, I'm not a deep, deep fan. I do appreciate it when they're in the postseason. So I was super excited to have you on. And I think that happens a lot with, with children that, you know, parents, because I'm a mom and um, I have no shame and I forced all my team choices on my children, some very good and some very bad. But, um, you know, for better or for worse, I think your dad was, was trying to be nice. <laughs> but I don't know. Now looking at how bad the Braves are and how it's going to be like at least two years before they're anything relevant again, um, you may have made Praise the God. wiser choice there, Will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It could be worse well, than you know, as a kid, Nationals fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as a kid, it was like, man, all my friends are Braves fans. You know, I don't care. But as a kid, all my friends are Braves fans. You get, you get given a hard time. The Mets and Braves rivalry was so strong, and it was like, some some days it was like, man, I should have just stayed a Braves fan. It would have been a lot easier. But you know, even <laughs> I remember saying that at one point to Dad when I was. 11 or 12, and he was like, son, this builds character. <laughs> it does. Losing uh, builds character. But it's way more fun to be winning. So you guys clinched it. Um, you know, I, maybe because I don't follow baseball as closely as I do some other sports. If you ask me college basketball, I can already tell you right now who I think my perennial favorites are because that's my favorite sport. Um, but with baseball, it's one of those things because the season is really long. I mean, it's really long and it seems like it goes forever. And I kind of, I kind of don't pay attention to it till like the all-star break, to be really honest, because I feel like the all-star before the all-star is kind of um, warm up. <laughs> and then after the all-star break, it's, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> In the spring, did you honestly think that this is a team that could go the distance? Well, so this, they won 90 games and uh, all winter and spring, I was like, you know, David Rice stays healthy. Lucas Duda played great last year. Um, you know, this, 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 if, if, if. That's a lot of ifs. But if, if, if all that happens, this team's a team that's going to win 87 to 89 games. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on the record somewhere on Twitter saying that. I'm, I haven't pulled it up, but I know I tweeted it. And people, because people were, like, ripping me a new one, you know. <laughs> and I was like, guys, this team's going to win 87 to 89 games. Well, then David Wright spent, you know, three quarters of the year on the disabled list. He had spinal stenosis. I thought he'd never come back again. Uh, as a as a Mets fan, I had emotionally um, prepared myself for the fact that David Wright was never going to play baseball again. And it was like, well, maybe they won't win 87 to 89 games, but if, if Wright had stayed healthy, they would have, you know, and, and Travis Darno spent some time on the disabled list. And, uh, and then as the season, as the summer progressed in late June, I went to a game in Atlanta. The Mets, it was like June 21st or something like that. Mets Braves in Atlanta. A friend of mine came. He's a Yankees fan, uh, but he's, he lives down here in Tennessee. And uh, we were driving back, and he's like, man, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we got to go, like, we got to go to other stadiums. What, what, you know, what's the next closest stadium that the Mets play in? And it was like, well, Cincinnati would be the next, you know, nationally, next closest stadium and happens to be a National League stadium. He's like, well, when are the Mets playing Cincinnati next? And I was like, you know, the last, looked it up, like, oh, the last weekend in September. And he was like, we should go to that. And I looked at him and I said, all right, listen, 
the Mets hang on because the Nationals aren't looking good. The Mets can hang on the next couple months. That could be a big series. Let's go. And so, you know, we had it scheduled in, kind of penciled in. And then first week of September, the Mets swept the Nationals. And I started counting counting days on the calendar and looking at, you know, elimination numbers for the Nationals. And I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, the Mets could uh, – I'm, I'm veering away from your question a little bit, but I'll, I'll circle back. The Mets could clinch. So we actually planned in June to go to Cincinnati for Saturday and Sunday of the Mets series two weekends ago. And the Mets clinched on Saturday, which is crazy. Um, so all that that's the game you saw, right? Yeah. And, and by yeah. the way, I watched the video. It's awesome. Uh, if you go to shaydugout.com, you can actually see the video of Will's experience watching that, which I thought was really cool that you had the foresight to at least periscope that while it was going on. Because um, <laughs> I've been I've been in situations where a, a beloved team of mine, I'll give an example. Um, I'm a University of Virginia grad. So in 2014... Mm-hmm. At the last minute, my husband said, let's go to the ACC championship game when we were playing Duke. And I'm like, heck yeah, let's go. So we drive the, the was it, five hours or so to, um, it was a Greensboro, and we grabbed my oldest son. And I, w- I did not have the foresight to do anything other than cry. <laughs> they were cutting down nets. So, <laughs> well, yeah, well done. I, I understand. I was choking back tears, to be honest. It was, it was, it was special. Um, so, but yeah. so, how did you get so, here? They, they, yeah, seriously. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying uh, to 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 fully answer that question was I I had I actually had confidence. A lot of people thought I was dumb, but I had I had confidence basically all year that you know, like I said, they'd win eighty seven, eighty nine games, and then it, same thing. I've said this. I've said this to a lot of people. If if you had told me that at the trade deadline, the Mets were going to be I don't remember what the record was, but plus or minus three games of five, from five hundred. And they were going to trade for you on this stuff for this. I would have said they're they're going to win the division. I mean that's <laughs> that's just how it is. And he's a good player. So when when that happened, when they traded for Cespedes, and then the next week they swept the Nationals, or the next the next few days rather, and then a couple weeks later they swept the Nationals again. It was just like wow, this is you know this is it. They they've got it. So I. Yeah, I, I actually did think all year that the Mets I, – I didn't think 89 wins would win the division. I thought that would get get them a wild card, though. So I thought they'd be in the postseason. I think it's fantastic. I mean, you know, again, it's a great story. And I think, I think it's a fan base that's hungry for a win. It's been a long time since you guys have seen – like the last time you were in the World Series was in 2000, I believe, because it was the Subway Series. Yep. Yep. yep, and then last time I saw a post, oh my gosh, you're so young, or I'm so old. Oh <laughs> I'm my 25. gosh, I'm 35. Lord have mercy. Oh my gosh. Oh my my heavens. Um, <laughs> but I was alive when they won a championship, so I win. Um, <laughs> maybe you'll get one this year. There you go. But yeah, and then the last time they were in postseason was what 2006, right? Yes. Yep. Won the division in '06, so- and then that that iconic or horrible or whatever your perspective is. Uh, Adam Wainwright pitched to Carlos Beltran in the bottom of the ninth inning at Chase Stadium that he just kind of oh. looked at. <laughs> it was a nasty pitch, but 
sucks to look at. <laughs> See, and that's the thing with like plays like that in sports. Like when postseason is totally different than regular season, and this is the first real time my podcast has been fully immersed into um, postseason play for any real division. I started actually in June, so we're in the middle of the NBA finals, so we hadn't followed it from the beginning. Um, but now, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm fully immersed in it, and there is a weird kind of like it's very stressful. I I find when my teams are are in like postseason or championship play, it is really stressful as a fan. Um, and I can't even imagine the players. But are are you nervous? Are you excited? How are you feeling? I'm stoked. You know, I, they uh, I thought they'd win a wild card this year and they won the division. So that in and of itself, the regular season went better than I than I hoped. You know, until the last six or eight weeks of the season, and. Uh, the, the the only thing is, it's it's like this team is good enough. If the offense is hot, they've got the pitching. Like they could go all the way. You know, they could they could they could raise the trophy at the end of the year. If the offense is cold. They could get swept by the Dodgers. So it's kind of like, what mess are we going to see? You know, because their their whole offense has been real streaky the last couple months, and it's either they're on fire and they're hitting three, four, five home runs a game, or they get no hit. You know, by by Max Scherzer the other night. Although that was a weak lineup, but uh, yeah. So I'm 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 feeling good. I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm stressed yet. I probably will be this weekend. I kind of. I was stressed because I had that trip to Cincinnati planned. I was like, I didn't want them to clinch before I was able to go. I wanted them. I wanted the games. I if I'm going to travel to Cincinnati. I want the games to be meaningful. <laughs> so I was stressed about that, and then. Psalm clinch, and then I just kind of, I, I kind of checked out a little bit on the games. Like I paid attention to them every night. I, I listened to most of them. I didn't watch most of them. I just, I would just listen to most of them after that. And then, because uh, I was like, well, this doesn't matter, and there's no reason to get emotionally like. <laughs> there's been a lot of emotional roller coaster the last couple of months, so there's no reason to do that, you know, for the next week while it doesn't matter. And then the playoffs are going to be emotionally up and down, so might as well just chill so i'm i'm still kind of in chill mode um i'm sure friday i'll be pretty antsy yeah so let's speak talk about friday you guys open up and you're facing kershaw um you know is that scary is that can you guys handle it he's a beast of a i mean he's fantastic um i don't want to bring the dodgers but he's ridiculous yeah he he's he's crazy i've seen uh I seen him pitch. I saw him do, pitch in a Double A rehab game in Chattanooga last year. I was six yards up behind him play, so I've I've gotten a pretty close personal view on that on that curveball, uh, <laughs> and it's nasty. But you know the the Mets have beat Kershaw in L.A. this year, so and that was a much worse lineup than uh, than what they've got today. That was back in uh, I guess it was June and uh, early July, and you know that was the days of Eric Campbell batting cleanup and. Uh, you know, they, they've pretty much rebuilt the lineup from scratch since then. They got Travis Darno back. They got David Wright back. They traded for Cespedes. Um, you know, Flores is hitting a lot better. Their uh, Duda isn't the only bat in the lineup anymore. You know, you 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 add those three guys, and it it really adds a lot of depth to the lineup. So considering that they beat him in LA with a weaker lineup, just being Clayton Kershaw isn't isn't terrifying. You know, like I said, it's the Mets offense shows up. I think they can beat anybody. 
Speaking of showing up, Matt Harvey missed Tuesday's mandatory workout. It's become a big like issue. You know I was going to bring it up. It would be silly for me not to. Um, I have heard different things from supposedly sports experts, and I'm using the quotation marks. I know you can't see me because I'm in Virginia. You're in Tennessee. But it's interesting. Um, like I've heard critics go, they should bench him. And I'm like, you don't bench awesome players in postseason. Find him and be yeah. done with it. You know? But, I mean, it, it just seems like, you know, the drop you know um like in the the new york post suggested that harvey's drama has to stop and i'm just going really like first off who on the mets is leaking this information um they need to tighten up ship because you don't want to give the dodgers any kind of locker room fodder and two why the heck is this kid missing mandatory workouts yeah yeah and i read a couple of uh i read an article on a on a popular you know, sports blog today was having an analysis that was hilarious, you know, kind of kind of ripping Harvey for, for missing it. And he shouldn't have missed it. I mean, it's a mandatory practice and you're a major league ball player and it was at 11 o'clock or 1 o'clock or either, even if it was at 8 o'clock. Like that's, you know, you're 26 years old. The entire rest of the country when they're 26 years old has to be somewhere at 8 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, figure out how to do it. Doesn't, you know, I don't know. Was he out on an all-night bender? Was he... Was he just screwing around on PlayStation? You know, who knows? Um, he, he needs to be on time. But that said, like you said, uh, this is the major leagues. It's not college sports. Like, you don't you don't bench a guy to prove a point. You find him and you carry on. And Matt Harvey definitely, you know, the last few weeks, Harvey has made it difficult for, uh, I'm sure, for his teammates to maybe like him all the time between the, uh, you know, the innings limit thing, and then this and and the press conferences and the drama and it's it's constant and you know part of the issue is Matt Harvey wanted to be a thing you know Matt Harvey because there are a lot of players on the Mets who maybe have been late to things and it's not front page news the next day you know in the New York Post and then and the Daily News uh, but those guys haven't had movies made about them by ESPN either you know what I mean so. Matt, Matt Harvey needs to uh, recognize that if you're going to be a, if you're going to make yourself a thing, if you want Matt Harvey, the Dark Knight, to be a thing, like there's a higher level of responsibility that comes with that because you have drawn and attracted a higher level of attention to yourself. And, For my, you know, that's audience. that's something he needs to figure out. Yeah, for my audience who doesn't know about the ESPN movie, um, can you tell them a little bit about that? Because I don't, I, you know, for a lot of, again, casual fans of baseball, they're just now starting to get into baseball because of postseason, so they may not be familiar with all some of the drama. Yeah, my bad. I, I, I forgot who no, I was that's okay. for a minute. <laughs> forgot the that's audience. Okay. Mistake number one. Uh, so Matt Harvey had an ESPN E60 uh, documentary made after, or about him rather that was released in March and it was uh, a little bit of background on Matt Harvey. Uh, he made his major league debut in late 2012. He was fantastic. Uh, one of the best Mets rookie seasons uh, per start for start because he didn't have a full season ever. And the Mets have had a lot of fantastic pitchers over the years. Uh, several Hall of Famers have come through the Mets system and made their debut as Mets. So that was that was very notable. And then his second year, 2013, was incredible. He started the All-Star game for the National League at City Field, which was a pretty cool moment 
And um, then in late 2013, mid-August or so, went down with a partially torn ulnar collateral ligament in his elbow, had that Tom John surgery, missed all of 2014, and then came back this spring, uh, you know, made his comeback, pitched all this year. But after missing all of 2014, ESPN did a 60-minute documentary on him and, and his time off and his rehab and really, you know, kind of made Matt Harvey larger than life. And it was a really, it was a really cool, it was a cool documentary. It was well done. It, it, it really made Matt Harvey look like a cool person, which I'm sure is what he wanted to do. Uh, but, what, you know, like I said, once you, once you do that, once you draw that attention to yourself, you've got a higher level of responsibility and he hasn't necessarily uh, fulfilled that. <laughs> So it sounds like, I mean, because when I think of Mets right now, I think of David Wright first and foremost. Two reasons. One, because he is Mr. Met, in my opinion. But the other reason is he's from my hometown. So I immediately think of that. But, I mean, I feel like he's right. in the face of that franchise for so long that he he is, you know, for, for again, I, I don't want to mention that other team in that other borough that isn't in the postseason anymore. Um, but it's kind of like Derek Jeter and the Mets, uh, and the, oh, listen yeah. to me, and the Yankees. I feel like David Wright is that for the Mets. And I feel like, you know, Matt Harvey really wants to be that for the Mets because typically it is pitchers. Typically in this day and age, they're the quarterback. You know, they ha- handle the ball the most. And, you know, I, I, I just feel like he just is immoral <laughs> when it comes to, like, PR. I'm just going, <laughs> you can't hire somebody to wake your butt up. I mean, don't you have people? Like, hire a person just to wake you up. I mean, you know, I'm sure yeah. there are other athletes that have to do that. Yeah, I mean, you would you would think. And, and you know, I, I'd say David Wright is – David Wright's absolutely the face of the franchise. Kind of the weird thing about David Wright, even compared to Derek Jeter, is Derek, Derek – David Wright is such a quiet leader. Although he's stepped out of his – he's stepped out of that a little bit this year. It seems like he, he stepped up some, uh, you know, after – after Harvey had his uh, innings limit debacle, David Wright was seen in the dugout for four or five innings the next day, having a pretty animated conversation with Harvey. And, and, you know, you see him, and I'm sure he's always kind of been that guy who's who's kind of a leader, but it's always been like in the clubhouse. And now you kind of, you know, you see him, he's he's said several things to the media. Even yesterday he said, uh, you know, they asked him about Matt Harvey, and he said, well, I'm worried about the guys who are here right now, uh, which – is, is reminiscent of Derek Jeter. Uh, so I think, I think historically David Wright has been kind of that quiet face of the franchise. And so Matt Harvey saw that opening to be that vocal face of the franchise. Uh, but he, like you said, he's just kind of been a moron with PR. It's, it's just, I, that's the part of the sports I like is the drama. I mean, I know that it distracts is a huge distraction and you guys don't need that right now. Um, you know, again, as you're, traveling to Los Angeles and facing Kershaw. It's just been to say his name. So, all right. Um, this this episode, typically, this will be airing Monday. So, we are taping this Thursday. So, postseason for you has not started yet. It will No, we're taping this Wednesday. See, I'm all jacked up. For Gapal Nation, don't know. I was talking a little about this. I was in a car accident today. I might have a concussion. I don't. Um, but... I'm a little scatterbrained, so, and he's been nice and came on at the last minute because I was, anyway, anyway, so <laughs> that being said, that's why I'm a little, like, not my normal, like, self, but uh, at the end of this weekend, 
what is the best possible outcome for the Mets? Like, so Galpo Nation wakes up Monday morning. Will and Ramona are in their, you know, podcast player ready to go. At that moment, what are you hoping? Oh, I mean, absolutely. The Mets have won two games in L.A. and they're coming back. Uh, they're playing Monday night in, in City Field in New York. And Matt Harvey's on the mound, you know, going for the series sweep. That would be that'd be a perfect scenario. Likely they'll they'll probably split. Um, I I don't know what pitcher, you know, Cranky Kershaw. They're both fantastic. The Mets have beat both of them in LA this year. Uh, so you'll be facing Brett Anderson for that game. The third game, yeah. Yeah, the third game. Um, you'll be facing Brett Anderson. Yep. Um, so probably I think what's going to happen is the Mets will come to City Field. It'll be a one and one series. So Anderson versus Harvey for Game Three. But hope you know, yeah, perfect scenario would be the Mets are up two games, nothing. All right, let's look a little past beyond. So let's say we're not going to jinx you, but let's say hypothetically you get past the Dodgers, you get past the next guy, you get to the World Series. Who in the American League do you want to face? Do I want to face? I know you thought about it. Are you one of those fans that doesn't want to think too far ahead? Not as much. Yeah, I mean, I thought about I thought about the NLCS. Of, of the of the possible teams, so it'd be Pirates, Cubs, Cardinals. Um, definitely would prefer the Mets face the Cardinals in the in the championship series. Uh, Why? Because first of all, they have zero wins against the Cubs and the Pirates this year. Um, and although the regular season record versus postseason record, like postseason is a whole different ball game, it's a whole different roster from when they played the Cubs and and <clears throat> excuse me, Pirates earlier in the season. Uh, still think the, the Cardinals haven't looked that good. And, uh, you know, people are like, well, they've had a lot of injuries. That's fine. Bottom line is they haven't looked good. And I would I would rather the Mets face the Cardinals, who they've whooped up on this year. Uh, they have a winning record. I'm not, I guess whooped up on isn't fair. But I think, they, I think they won one more game than they lost against the Cardinals this year. Um, I'd rather them face the Cardinals than the other two teams just because Cardinals, Cardinals are much more beatable. I think that's fair. But then in the in the that's... in the World Series, you know, Blue Jays making the World Series would be a good story. Astros making the World Series would be really weird because to me they're a National League team. <laughs> um, that's true. <laughs> that's funny. Because you forget that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They've just been in the AL for. I guess it's two or three. Yeah, just for now. the expansion. Yeah, just for the expansion. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, I, 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 I guess the Blue Jays or the Astros. I think it's going to be interesting. I, again, for my father's sake, I hope you guys make a deep run. Um, you know, if it's not you, then the Cubs, just because the historic significance and really, you know, the Cardinals don't need any more World Series. They're good. They've got plenty. <laughs> I've just made all of St. Louis really mad at me. I don't care. Well, um, I'll, share I'll, I'll go ahead and. I'll go ahead and make Chicago upset. I don't want the Cubs to win tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? I, just, I get tired of the storyline. It's the same storyline every time the Cubs are in the, in the playoffs. Like, oh, my goodness. You know, it's been, well, it's been 100 been years. It's been a long blah, blah, blah. time. It's, it, well, it's not, been a, it's, no, it's not been 100 years. It's been close. Um, they've got three more years, and then it's 100. Um, but, again, I, I don't know if you know this. Have you ever seen the movie Back to the Future? 
Okay, so Back to the Future 2, um, it was yep. predicted that this is the year Miami that the Cubs were in. Yeah, yeah, well, obviously Miami. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. I think option, Miami won't. But... Yeah, well, no. Not only that, but Miami, I feel like that weird statue in their outfield sucks the soul out of their players. Um, I really do. I think it's like an opening for a Hellmouth. I mean, have you ever looked at it, really looked at it and stared and go, why? Just on earth. What? What? Who thought of that? And they paid money for it. And I bet you it cost a lot of money. I mean. It was it was two, just, either two and a half or three and a half million dollars. What? That statue? Really? So, yeah. So, you know, whenever no. you're sitting around and you, you've got, next time you've got a couple few million dollars to burn, you can think about that's one thing you can buy. <laughs> wait, 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 are you, no, 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 are you serious? Like $2 million for the that's, ugliest that's thing that I swear, that I swear sucks the soul out of players. It must, <laughs> because that's where yeah. all good players well, go to die, is Miami. Because, you know, Jeff Luria, Loria, however he pronounces his last name, is the big-time art dealer, the, the Marlins owner. So I think he commissioned it from some, you know, bona fide artist, and it was, yeah, it was a few million bucks. That modified artist was was joking, going, "Let's see what I can really do for a couple million bucks." Wow, <laughs> that just brings that my my loathing of that thing to a whole new level because that's just gross. So, yeah, you right, well, ugly green, throw a couple flamingos on it. Well, yeah, and then the weird like dolphin marlin things that go back and forth, and I'm just like, and it plays weird music, and I'm just like, again, it's where Satan goes to watch baseball. It's not good. No, it's not good. Will it's not good. Don't marlin fans protest and get it removed from your god awful. The whole situation's bad. There's not enough time or podcast room to talk about the mess that is the Marlins. I do want to talk about a little bit though. Um, your biggest rivals right now, I feel like, are um, in regular season are the Nationals. They just sort of keep right. bugging you guys. Um, you know, as much as as Harvey has been a, a, a you know kind of a complication, at least he hasn't choked. You know, your top star. I'm like, what was going on in the Nationals the past couple of weeks? Did that make you a little bit excited, just a little bit, to see the kind of silliness that's going on down in Washington? Yeah. Uh, you know, when they traded for Papelbon, my dad texted me that night and was like, uh-oh, did you see the Nationals traded for Jonathan Papelbon? And I said, ha-ha, did you see the Nationals traded for Jonathan Papelbon? And he was like, what do you mean? He's really good. And I was like, yeah, and he's a, you know, he's a clubhouse cancer. And uh, so I wasn't surprised that that the Nationals proceeded to implode once once they traded for him, but it was definitely an entertaining. I mean, you don't want to see a guy get choked, uh, choked out ever, but it was definitely purely from a sports standpoint, it was an entertaining thing to watch. <laughs> I, was, I was coming back from that Cincinnati trip and uh, kind of scrolling through Twitter, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I think I think Jonathan Papelbon just choked out Bryce Harper, and and my buddy was like, "What?" <laughs> I found the video, and sure enough, <laughs> Jonathan Papelbon choked out Bryce Harper. So yeah, it's a it's a dumpster fire down there. But but you know, that that's what Jonathan Papelbon does. I just I just find it 
fantastic that you willingly admit that you found joy, not in the choking, but just in the sheer implosion that was that whole situation. Um, I'm looking at some of um, Shay Dugout's um, past tweets. On October 5th, you guys tweeted, (laughs) this was hilarious. I favored this one. We think we speak for all Mets fans when we say that we are deeply saddened to hear of the firing of Matt Williams in Washington. And that's what I love. Like, I hate, like, sports fans, you know, particularly those of us who are, like, in this kind of new media space where it's, like, podcasting and blogging and we're supposed to be, like, real reporters and be unbiased. No! We don't have to be unbiased. There's no unbiased here. It's, you know, it's called Shea Dugout. So they're going to find joy in when, when a, you know, a divisional rival does poorly. And that's okay. That's what sports are for. Sports needs bad guys. And for you, I guess the Nationals are bad guys. You know, not much of Lately, Ferocious yeah. Beast. Yeah, but lately, the last couple of years, they, they have been. So I thought that was hilarious. Tell me a little bit about Shea Dugout and the kind of information that people can find there. Yeah, so we launched the first week of March. Uh, so we're very young. Uh, and we haven't really we, we haven't really hit hit that sweet spot of, of what I'd like to have. But the, the goal, the tagline of the site is we tell the stories of and about the – or of and around the New York Mets organization. Uh, so, so basically, we, we try to do things a little differently, uh, and we, like I said, we haven't necessarily succeeded so far, uh, and that's just, I think that's just growing pains. But definitely, the the goal, the intention, and and what's the content that's being developed right now that's not necessarily been published is in depth, uh, you know, conversations maybe with with minor leaguers or with uh, we're we're developing a series of stories with a, a Mets minor leaguer who underwent Tommy John surgery this summer, uh, and, and kind of following his rehab story, we're developing a podcast uh, that's kind of along the veins of like a uh, like maybe like a This American Life type concept where we we really just try to tell the stories. Um, not like a sports talk podcast, like a lot, there are a lot of Mets podcasts out there and they all talk about the Mets like a sports talk radio. And so we kind of want to, there are a lot of Mets sites, period. And we kind of want to turn everything, you know, 90 degrees and talk about the stories a little more. Well, that's the way most major league sports are going. That's because they're trying to court women and female fans. You know, I say it on my podcast a lot. The data shows us this and women have told me and I'm the same way that, you know, the reason why women watch so much Olympics, to be honest with you, because those are story driven plot lines. You know, you care about the athletes, you start caring about the village, you care about whatever. It's the same thing in sports. Like the NFL is doing a fantastic job at this. And Major League Baseball is getting, is they're always slow to everything, to be perfectly honest. Um, But they're starting to get there. Streaming video. Except <laughs> streaming video. Here's the interesting thing, though. Baseball lends itself to the best storylines. It has the coolest history, the coolest traditions. I feel like the players themselves are big kids and the kind of wackiness that they do between, you know, like there's no locker room celebration better than a major league locker room celebration when they've got the champagne everywhere and they're, they're wearing sports goggles to save their eyeballs, you know, and, and major league <laughs> provides them. Like I think they have a goggle sponsor now. They're all wearing like kind of the same style and team colors, um, you know, and and it's amazing to me that they, you know, that, that they're not embracing that more as a sport because, you know, think about the best sports movies. They're almost always baseball movies. Always. Yeah. You know, and, and then and because think, it's a very, it's a story driven sport. I think they've, they've made an effort over the last couple of years. I don't know if you're familiar with the website sports on earth. 
Uh, I think it's semi-defunct right now, but that was a, a partnership between Major League Baseball, Advanced Media, and USA Today. I think USA Today and maybe New York Times or something like that. And and that was a that was a story-driven sports-based website. Uh, so they're definitely. I think they're trying. Um, but yeah, they're. There's a lot of there's a whole lot of people out there writing game recaps and and talking about you know the games and there's a whole lot of stories being left untold for sure and that's kind of for the Mets at least that's kind of the the niche that we hope to fill. Well, I think it's fantastic, and I can't wait to see more. And again, I hope again for your sake, Will, because you're a doll, and for my father's sake, because I love him. Um, I really hope the Mets. Um, you know, sorry Cubs fans, sorry Corey Finneran from Ivy Envy. I kind of hope the Mets go all the way. I don't know. I'm pulling for both of you I, again. This is this is me being a wishy washy girl. Well, just a wishy washy fan. I shouldn't put the gender into it. Um, and this is what happens when you're agnostic in baseball, um, where you can go yay both sides and may the best one may the odds be ever in your favor in the Hunger Games of postseason play. So, Will, if Galpan Nation wants to find out more about Shea Dugout or yourself and wants to talk more Mets baseball with you, where should they go? Uh, so, SheaDugout.com. And then on, on Twitter, we're at Shea Dugout. And Instagram, we're at Shea Dugout also. And then my personal Twitter is Will Musto, W-I-L-L-M-U-S-T-O. Uh, so, I think, I think that, that, that that's a good overview there. <laughs> yeah, and Will doesn't just tweet about Mets. He's also a Jets fan. Real quick, your Jets are doing incredibly well. You guys did amazing in London. Um, I'm, I would like um, quarterback Fitzpatrick to throw more to Brandon Marshall simply for my own selfish reasons of fantasy. Chris Ivy, Ivory, though, well, again, it's the defense of the Dolphins is, is absolutely atrocious right now, and that's its own kind of, again, there's not enough podcast time to talk. It must be Miami. It must be Miami, you know. <laughs> it's where yeah. all good franchises, unless you're, unless you have LeBron James playing for you, it's where all good franchises go to like just perish. It's like let's not worry about playing sports. We'll go on the beach. Yeah, that's for my friend Unsquish the Fish. That's a great Miami Dolphins podcast. But yeah, no, the Jets are doing really well considering that you know again all the drama with Geno Smith and his glass jaw. That may have been the best thing for you guys. Yeah, you know, and, and people said that too. So. Disclaimer, uh, because of baseball, I've seen one Jets game. Uh, I was the week one, I was at a Mets game in Atlanta. Week two, they played on Monday night and I watched my local double A team win the, the Southern league championship. Uh, and then week three, I was in Cincinnati. So I just, the only game I've seen is the Dolphins game. Uh, but they look good. And, and Chris Ivory, was was like a freight train. I hate that phrase because it's so overused. But like, no, he but he was. Stop. He didn't. He was like <laughs> he just. Stop. He was like for. He was like for net down at LSU. He just literally ran through people. You know. Yeah, it was crazy. He's, it was and, awesome. And, it was uh, awesome. You know, when when Decker was open, he was he was favorite target of Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I didn't and, like that very and, much. I need I need to talk <laughs> to Fitzpatrick <laughs> and go more Brandon Marshall, please, for Ramona and her fantasy yeah, points because I'm in. The Blog Talk Radio, because that's my network, I'm in their fantasy football league, and so far I'm doing actually really well. And I'm up against like real fantasy experts like Joel Hernard and the Fantasy Guru and Pod Vader. Oh, I mean, wow. come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I need well, all the help I can help. get. Yeah, well, well I'm my, doing my actually dad really well. Has Brandon Marshall on his team, too. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm familiar with the desire for Brandon Marshall to get, to get ball, get passes for fantasy points. <laughs> 
not even that will, but it it just means more touchdowns for the Jets, and and you should just as a Jets fan be perfectly okay with that. Just more touchdowns for the oh, Jets. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. More points are better. They need it. But yeah, they've been a surprise. They uh, there was a little a little office banter at work, and one person said. You know, I think the Jets are going to win eight games, and and that person's a Jets fan. And I looked at him and I said, "Are you, are you crazy?" <laughs> and then a Titans fan in the office said, "Are you, dude? I bet money they're not going to win eight games." And so they've got a they've got a dinner bet over under of six game six wins. And uh, I thought I thought they would I definitely thought they'd be under six wins. So to have to be three and one is it's exciting. It is. So in the Block Talk Radio League, I am in first place right now. So, yes, it's very exciting. I think so. Because it won't last long. Because these are some of the people that are in. Gary Davenport, Pod Vader. I don't know if you're familiar with the Pod Vader. Um, but, yes, he's head of content here at Blog Talk Radio, and he's Pod Vader, for God's sake. So, you know, enough said. Um, Jeff Radcliffe, Joel Hernard, um, Dennis Farrell, John Hansen. He's the fantasy football guru. So, yeah, it's exciting. So, and there's little me going, hey, look at me. I managed to get, like, in, in the draft. I got um, Brandon Marshall, Larry Fitzgerald, and then Keenan Allen. I got all three of those guys. Pretty cheap, oh, wow. too, actually, because they were kind of undervalued. And they've been having great. I'm knocking on every piece of wood I can find. Um, they're, they're, they're doing pretty well. So, yes. Did so, you, there is that. Do you talk so. a lot of trash on the league message boards? Or do you just kind of yeah. lay low? Yeah. No, I'm laying absolutely low because at some point it will implode. <laughs> um, the only trash talk I did was we did a, um, and you can hear the, um, episode on my website at blogtalkradio.com forward slash sports gap how we actually taped the live draft which is hilarious to listen to because it was a new um platform we were using scout fantasy and um none of us had really used it before so just trying to figure out like how to draft players was was, was funny and um you know in the middle of it pod Vader asked me and he's like so Ramona, have you ever played fantasy football and i'm like yeah i've played a lot and the one guy um mark chatham matt chatham excuse me is a pod podcaster on blog talk radio he does football by football podcast and he does the blog so he's a former he has three super bowl rings with the new england patriots so he has actually mm-hmm. played football um and he's a super nice guy um so in my wrap-up of that episode because we all put it on our all of our podcasts i put on there um you know what happens when you get a rookie rookie podcaster who's also a rookie sport um fantasy football player and i wrote i was like well you need to ask matt chatham because i've played before and that's probably the, the only amount of trash talk i've done and I didn't even mean it as trash talk. But popular took it as trash talk. He goes, I love it. And I'm like, I didn't really mean it as that. I just really meant that he's the rookie, but don't ever listen to me. So I don't know what I did to deserve this, but, you know, I, I'm just going to enjoy it while I can. And yeah, ride that wave. Just, just go, yay, yay. Because I think it'd be fun if I won. Because it's like, yay. You know, the non-sports expert <laughs> wins the, the first ever Blog Talk Radio Fantasy League. We got way off topic. I may cut all this up. Probably not. It's funny. Um, well, thank you so much for being again. And a fantastic, fantastic guest. Um, I do like your guys's um, blog a lot. They are great followers of me. They've been interacting with me, which is hilarious. Um, and again, they're kind of, they're my kind of guys. And if you have any girls over there, girls too, because they are snarky on their Twitter. Like they will flat out call out fans. Like I'm looking through it right now and they're like, um, there was this one fan who tweeted like, please, um, 
STFU. I'm going to let you guys pronounce that, but you're embarrassing us real New York Mets fans. And you guys are like, please follow us for unnecessary commentary about baseball all postseason long. And I'm like, that's what you want. Like, I love it. So keep up. I think you guys have a really good start of something that's really special and so different and needed for fans of the New York Mets. So again, it's Will Musto. You can follow him on Twitter, find SheaDugout.com. And again, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, Ramona. Ramona, <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate the kind words too. We're uh, ho- hopefully we can we can turn into something as a site. Definitely, definitely. Just keep pop- pushing out the content and finding those awesome, cool stories. So I can't wait to see what you guys do next. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Sports Gal Pal podcast, and be sure to check out sportsgalpal.com.